0: Chapter Twenty Seven of Frank Merriwell at Yale, or Freshman Against Freshman, by Bertel Standish. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven, A Change of Pitchers. The game is lost. Sure, Yale has not scored since the second inning. That's right. She made one in the first and three in the second, and then comes four beautiful whitewashes. Harvard hasn't missed a trick, and the score is eleven to four in her favor lewis this is awful right you are jones hear those harvard rooters whoop it up gives me nervous prostration the yale freshmen were playing the harvard freshmen on the grounds of the latter team and quite a large delegation had come from new haven to witness the game which was the second of the series of three arranged between the freshman teams of the two colleges the first had been played at new haven and the third was to be played on neutral ground Yale had won the first game by heavy batting, the final score being twelve to eleven. As the regular varsity nine had likewise won the first of their series with Harvard, the Sons of Eli began to think they had a sure thing, and those who came on from New Haven were dead sure in their minds that they would bring back the scalps of the Harvard freshmen. They said over and over that there would be no need of a third game to settle the matter. Yale would settle it in the second. Walter Gordon had pitched the whole of the first Harvard game, he'd been hammered for thirteen singles, two two two-baggers, and a three-bagger, and still Yale had pulled out, which was rather remarkable, but Walter had managed to keep Harvard's hits scattered, while Yale bunched their hits in two innings, which was just enough to give them the winning score. It was said that Frank Merriwell was to be given a show in the second game, and a large number of Yale men who were not freshmen had come on to see what he would do. Pearson had been particularly anxious to see Merriwell work, and he had taken a great deal of trouble to come on. The great and only Bob Collingwood of the varsity crew had accompanied Pearson, and both were much disappointed, not to say disgusted, when old Put put in Gordon and kept him in the box, despite the fact that he was being freely batted. "'What's the matter with Putnam?' growled Pearson. "'Has he got a grudge against Merriwell, or does he intend to lose this game anyway?' He's asleep, said Collingwood, wearily. He's stuck on Gordon. He must be thick if he can't see Gordon is rapidly losing his nerve. Why, the fellow is liable to go to pieces at any minute and let those willies run in a score that will be an absolute disgrace. Go down and talk to him, Pearson. Not much. I'm too well known to the Harvard gang. They wouldn't do a thing to me. Not a thing. Then let's get out of here. Makes me sick to hear that Harvard yell. I can't stand it, Pearson wait i want to see Merriwell go into the box if they will let him at all that's what i came for but he can't save the game now the yale crowd is not doing any batting all harvard has to do is hold them down and they scarcely have touched coulter since the second inning that's right but the fellow is easy call they should ever get on to him how can they they are not batters pearson nodded that is true he admitted they are weak with a stick Diamond is the only man who seems to know how to go after a ball properly. He is raw, but there is mighty good stuff in that fellow. If he sticks to baseball, he will be on the regular team before he finishes his course. I believe Merriwell has shown up well as a batter in practice. He certainly has. Well, I should think old Putt would use him for his hitting, for nothing else. He is needed. Seems to me that there is a nigger in the woodpile. You think Merriwell is held back for reasons not known. I do. Say by jingoes, I'm going down to talk to Putnam. If he doesn't give Merriwell a trial, he's a chump. Hold on. What for? If I wait, it will be too late for Merriwell to go into the first of the seventh. Perhaps Merriwell may stand on his dignity and refuse to go in at all at this late stage of the game. He wouldn't be to blame if he did, for he can't win out. Something is up. Hello, Merriwell is getting out of his sweater. I believe Putnam is going to send him out. There was great satisfaction in Pearson's voice. At last it seemed that he would get a chance to see Merriwell work. Somebody ought to go down and wrap Putnam on the cocoa with a big heavy club, growled Collingwood. He should have made the change long ago. The Harvard Willies had been piling up something every inning. Down on the visitor's bench, Merriwell was seen to peel off while Gordon was talking rather excitedly to Burnham Putnam. It seemed evident by his manner that he was speaking of something that did not please him very much. Merriwell was pulled out of his sweater, and then somebody tossed him a practice ball. Little Danny Griswold, the Yale shortstop, put on a catcher's mitt and prepared to catch for Frank. Yale was making a last desperate struggle for a score in the sixth inning. With one man out and a man on first, a weak batter came up. If the batter tried to get a hit, it looked like a great opportunity for a double play by Harvard. Old Putt, who was in uniform, ran down to first and sent in the coacher, whose place he took on the line. Then he signaled the batter to take one, his signal being obeyed, and it proved to be a ball. Putt was a great coacher, and now he opened up in a lively way, with Robinson rattling away over by third. Putt was not talking simply to rattle the pitcher, he was giving signals at the same time, and he signaled for the man on first to go down on the next pitch, at the same time giving the batter the tip to make a fake swing at the ball to bother the catcher. This program was carried out, and it worked, for the runner got second on a slide, and a close decision. Then the Yale rooters opened their throats, and blue banners fluttered in a bunch over on the bleachers where the New Haven gang was packed together. Well, yell, you suckers, yell, cried Dixon, Harvard's first baseman. It's the only chance you'll get. His words were drowned in the tumult and noise. Up in the grandstand there was a waving of blue flags and white handkerchiefs, telling that there were not a few of the fair spectators who sympathized with the boys from New Haven. Then the man at the bat reached first on a scratch hit and a fumble, and there seemed to be a small rift in the clouds which had lowered over the heads of the Yale freshmen so long. But the next man up promptly fouled out, and the clouds seemed to close in again as dark as ever. In the meantime, Frank was warming up with the aid of Danny Griswold, and Walter Gordon sat on the bench, looking sulky and downcast gordon is a regular pig said one of the freshman players to a companion he doesn't know when he has had enough well we know we have had enough of him this game said the other sourly if we had played a rotten fielding game harvard would have a hundred now well nearly that grinned the first speaker gordon hasn't struck out a man and still he is sore because putnam is going to put merriwell in i suppose that is natural but hi there take a look great scott what sloppy work did you see newton get caught playing off second well that gives me the cramps come on he's the last man and we'll have to go out so to the delight of the harvard crowd yale was whitewashed again and there seemed to be no show for the new haven boys to win walter gordon remained on the bench and frank walked down into the box then came positive proof of merriwell's popularity for the new haven spectators arose as one man widely waving hats and flags, and gave three cheers and a tiger for Frank. "'That's what kills him,' exclaimed Pearson, in disgust. It is sure to rattle any green man. "'That's right,' yawned Collingwood. It's plain we have wasted our time in coming here today. "'It still looks that way from the road. Why couldn't the blamed chumps keep still, so he could show what he is made of? It's ten to one he won't be able to find the plate for five minutes. I believe I can see him shaking from here.' the harvard crowd had never heard of Marlowe, and they regarded him with no little interest as he walked into the box when the yale spectators were through cheering harvard took it up in a derisive way and it certainly was enough to rattle any fellow with ordinary nerves but frank did not seem to hear all the howling he paid no attention to the cheers of his friends or the jeers of the other party he seemed in no great hurry made sure that every man was in position felt of the pitcher's plate with his foot Kicked aside a small pebble, and then took any amount of time in preparing to deliver. Collingwood began to show some interest. He punched Pearson in the ribs with his elbow and observed, "Hanged if he acts as if he's badly rattled." That's so. He doesn't seem to be in a hurry. Admitted Paul, he is using his head at the very start, for he is giving himself time to become cool and steady. He is Gibson the best batter on the Harvard team facing him? Gibson is bound to get a safe hit. He is pretty sure to, and that is right. Merriwell knew that Nort Gibson was the heaviest and surest batter on the Harvard team, but he had been watching the fellow all through the game, trying to get his alley. He had seen Gibson light on a drop and smash it fiercely, and then he had seen him get a safe hit off of a rise, while an out curve did not fool him at all, as he would bang it if it came over the plate or let it alone when it went outside. Frank's mind was made up, and he had resolved to give Gibson everything in close to his fingers. Then, if he did hit it, he was not liable to knock it very far. First ball, Merriwell delivered looked like a pretty good one, and Gibson went after it. It was an in-shoot, and the batter afterward declared it grazed his knuckles as it passed. One strike, called the umpire. What's this? What's this? Exclaimed Collingwood, sitting up and rubbing his eyes. What did he do anyway? Fooled the batter with a high in-shoot, replied Pearson well he doesn't seem to be so very rattled after all can't tell yet he did all right that time but gibson has two more chances if he gets a drop or an out curve that is within reach he will kill it ben halliday was catching for yale rattleton the changed catcher and first baseman was laid off with a bad finger he was rooting with the new haven gang halliday returned the ball and signaled for a rise but merriwell shook his head and took a position that meant He wished to try the same thing over again. Halliday accepted, and then Frank sent the ball like a shot. This time it seemed a certain thing that Frank had depended on a high straight ball, and Gibson could not let it pass. He came near breaking his back trying to start the cover on the ball, but once more he fanned the air. Great Jupiter, gasped Collingwood, who was now aroused. What did he do then, Pearson? Fooled the fellow on the same thing exactly, chuckled Paul. Gibson wasn't looking for two in the same place. Now the freshman spectators from Yale let themselves out. They couldn't wait for the third strike. But they cheered, bluehorns and whistles, and waved flags and hats. Meriwell had a trick of taking up lots of time in a busy way without pitching the ball while the excitement was too high, and his appearance seemed to indicate that he was totally deaf to all the tumult. "'That's right, merry old boy,' yelled an enthusiastic New Haven lad. "'Trim his whiskers with him.' "'Wind them round his neck, Frank,' cried Harry Rattleton. "'You can do it.' "'Rattleton had the utmost confidence in his chum, "'and he had offered to bet that not one of the first three men up "'would get a safe hit off him. "'Sport Harris, who was always looking for a chance to risk something, "'promptly took Harry up, "'in each place to sawbuck in the hands of Deacon Dunning. "'I'm sorry for you, Harris,' laughed Rattleton, "'after Gibson had missed the second time, "'but he's going to use them all that way. "'Wait, my boy,' returned Sport, coolly.' i'm inclined to think this man will get a hit yet i'll go you ten to five he doesn't done they had no time to put up the money for Merriwell was at work again and they were eager to watch him the very next ball was an out curve but it was beyond gibson's reach and he calmly let it pass then followed a straight one that was on the level with the top of the batter's head and gibson afterward expressed regret that he did not hit it the third one was low and close to gibson's knees Three balls had been called in succession, and the next one settled the matter, for it stood three to two. "'Has he gone to pieces?' anxiously asked Collingwood. "'I don't think so,' answered Pearson, but he has wasted good opportunities trying to pull Gibson. He's in a bad place now." "'You have him in a hole, Gibson,' cried a voice. "'The next one must be right over, and he can't put it there.' "'It looks as if you would win, Rattleton,' said Harris in mild disgust. Merriwell is going to give this batter his base, and so, of course, he will not get a hit. Harry was nettled, quick as a flash returned. Four balls, hits for a go, I mean, goes for a hit in this case. Harris laughed. Now I have you sure, he chuckled. In your mind, sport, old boy. Merriwell seemed to be examining the pitcher's plate. Then he looked up like a flash. His eyes seeming to sparkle, and with wonderful quickness delivered the ball. It's an out-curve, was the thought which flashed through Gibson's mind, as he saw the sphere had been started almost directly at him. If it was an out-curve, it seemed certain to pass over the center of the plate, and it would not do to let it pass. It was speedy, and the batter was forced to make up his mind in a fraction of a second. He struck at it, and missed. Three strikes, batter out, called the umpire, sharply. Gibson dropped his stick in a dazed way, muttering, Great Scott, it was a straight ball and close to my fingers. He might have shouted the words and not been heard, for the Yale Rooters were getting in their work for fair. They gave one great roar of delight, and then came the college yell, followed by the freshman cheer. At last they were given an opportunity to use their lungs, after having been comparatively silent for several innings. Whoop her up for eighty eight, howled a fellow with a heavy voice. "'What's the matter with umpty eight? "'She's all right,' went up the horse-cry. "'What's the matter with Merriwell? he's all right, again came that roar. When the shouting had subsided, Rattleton touched Harris on the shoulder, and laughingly asked, do I win? Not yet, there are two more coming, but I win just as hard, my boy. Hope you do. The next Harvard batter came up, determined to do something, although he was a trifle uncertain. He let the first one pass, and heard a strike call, which did not please him much. The second one was a coaxer, and he let that ball go by. The umpire called a ball. The third was a high one, but it looked good, and he tried for it. It proved to be a rise, and he struck under it at least a foot. Bob Collingwood was growing enthusiastic. That Marowell is full of tricks, he declared. Think how he secretly coached the freshman crew up at the Oxford stroke last fall and won the race at Saltonstall. If it hadn't been for a traitor, nobody would have known what he was doing with the crew, for he wouldn't let them practice at the machines. I've had my eye on him ever since he entered Yale, confessed Pearson. I've seen that he is destined to come to the front. The batter seemed angry because he had been deceived so easily, and this gave Frank satisfaction, for an angry man can be deceived much easier than one who keeps cool. Merriwell held them close in on the batter, who made four fouls in succession, getting angrier each moment, but this time an outdrop was the thing to fool him, and it worked nicely. Three strikes and out, called the umpire had struck out two men and the yale crowd could not cheer loud enough to express their delight old putt was delighted beyond measure but he was keeping pretty still for he knew what he was sure to hear if yale did not pull the game out some way he knew everybody would be asking him why he did not put Merriwell in the box before lewis little was hugging himself with satisfaction while dismal jones's long face actually wore something suggestive of a smile rattleton felt like standing on his head and kicking up his heels with a delight he could not express. "'Oh, perhaps they will give Frank a show after this,' he thought. "'Didn't I tell Putt, the blooming idiot, took him a long time to get out of his trance?' Sport Harris coolly puffed away at a black cigar, seemingly perfectly unconcerned, like a born gambler. He had black hair and a faint line of a mustache. He was rather handsome in a way, but he had a pronounced taste for loud neckties. The next batter to come up was nervous, as could be seen at a glance he did not wish to strike out but he was far too eager to hit the ball and he went after a bad one at the very start which led him to get a mild call down from the bench then the fellow let a good one pass which rattled him worse than ever the next looked good and he swung at it he hit it and it went up into the air dropping into merriwell's hands who did not have to step out of his tracks to get it yale had whitewashed harvard for the first time in that game End of chapter 27